This, this is, is Yawa Radio. A warm welcome to the Yawa Radio podcast. The Yawa Radio podcast is an opportunity again to listen to one of our inspirational, thought-provoking interviews that we have brought to the listeners of Yawa Radio. Yawa Radio is online 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We are your well-being and happiness radio station, bringing the feel-good feeling to every single day of the week. Check us out at yawaradio.co.uk. Now sit back and enjoy this podcast from the Yawa Radio team. This is Glass Half Full with me, Steve Twine, and where I'm joined by inspirational guests from around the world, sharing their stories, stories that may well resonate with you. Sit back and enjoy this week's Glass Half Full. Well, a warm welcome to this week's Glass Half Full, and it's a pleasure to be joined on the line by Ian Wotton. Ian, how are you? I'm very well, Steve. Thank you for having me. Good. Thank you for joining me. Now, Ian, you are a consultant, clinical and forensic psychologist. I am indeed, yes. You are my first one of those on <laughs> Glass Half Full. Thank you for joining me. Um, and today, Ian, we're, we're going to be talking about over control. Okay, yeah. uh, but before we do that, let's just find out a little bit about you, how you got involved in the work that you do, and how long you've been doing it for. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, as you've mentioned, I'm a psychologist. I've been a psychologist for a long time now, about 24 years or thereabouts. Um, historically, I've worked in uh, the prison service uh, and in secure hospitals. Um, I also did a bit of work over in New Zealand for a couple of years, um, but for the last few years, I've been working as a private practitioner, setting up my own business. Um, and that came about once I got into the uh, area of over control, which has become my aim, my, my main focus, my main uh, area of expertise, if I could be so grand. Um, I've been doing that since uh, 2021 on a on a kind of um, and it's really taken off and it's become a really important part of, uh, I think, what what people understand now to be the range of therapies that are available out there. So, Ian, let, let's talk about over control. What, what yeah. do you actually mean by over control? Yeah, good question, Steve. I think that's that's fundamentally what I wanted to get across today is the idea that we all have we all have a personality, believe it or not. And that personality can vary in two predominant ways. So we all lean towards either being over-controlled or under-controlled. So this is based upon um, a lot of research that went on over the past 25 years, uh, primarily, and it's identified that over-controlled characteristics are just as important as under-controlled characteristics. Historically, we've maybe focused on under-control as something that warrants treatment and therapy. So when we talk about under control, we mm -hmm. think about people who are emotionally dysregulated, people who are perhaps labile and show, uh, show their feelings very willingly and very readily, people mm -hmm. who might wear their heart on their sleeve. Um, and those people often 
um, are quite forthcoming in requesting uh, therapy and requesting help. But over-control people are those who actually keep things in, keep mm -hmm. things to themselves, and don't go looking for help very often. They can be very skillful when it comes to being able to manage their feelings uh, and to contain their, um, their dis distress or discomfort. Um, they're also very good at um, planning, very good at being organized and structured um, and being able to work towards goals. Um, and there are lots of positives associated with over-control. But what the problem is, is that they also have deficits. So there are four primary deficits associated with over-control. The first one is that over-control people are often um, quite unwilling or unable to take on board new information and new ideas that doesn't mm. fit with the way that they think and the way that they see the world. And this means that they can struggle with feedback and criticism. This means that they um, can be can struggle to be flexible in the way that mm -hmm. they go about their business, um, and they struggle to adapt to changing environmental circumstances. So they're the first two characteristics or deficits of over-control. Mm. Uh, third one is all about emotional awareness and expression. So over-control people might not be particularly in touch with their emotions, but perhaps more importantly, they don't show them. They don't reveal their vulnerabilities or their feelings to other people, leaving other people a bit confused about where they stand with them. And that has a knock-on effect. And that can lead to the fourth deficit, which is related to their relationships. So they may struggle to form intimate relationships that, in terms of emotional intimacy, and therefore it can leave them feeling quite socially disconnected or isolated. Wow, fascinating. Ian, you just said, you got me thinking there as well then. So how does that link to say autism? Yeah. Good question. So autism is a, uh, a condition that is an example of an over-controlled disorder. Okay. Um, now, obviously, people may be diagnosed with autistic spectrum disorder, but a lot of people may show what we could consider to be autistic traits. So those traits may show up and they may... Um, influence the way that a person responds to the world and sees the world and deals with problems and situations that they find themselves in but absolutely autism is is right up there if you think of if you think of over control and under control on a scale mm -hmm. then autism would be perhaps a very good example of um, over control yeah, i was going to ask you that as well because it's like it's like many things that like there's a continuum of this isn't there yeah. on 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 where somebody i'm just trying to work out where i might be <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> do you know um and and where's where's that so there's i think i'm right in saying i think what you're saying there in a way there's 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 not particularly right or wrong it's the understanding on where you are on that continuum that's a really good point. So it's not that over control is better or worse than under control. It's just different. So there are lots mm. of positives to over control, as I mentioned before. For example, yeah. the ability to 
solve problems, deal with situations, achieve goals. And over-controlled people are often very successful because they can delay gratification in order to work towards their, their goals and their aims and can become very successful uh, people professionally. Um, however, they don't know how to relax, how to have a good time, how to make relationships. So under-controlled people may be functioning in a more effective way in those areas. So more likely to have fun, more likely to be popular, to enjoy social situations, to be able to let their hair down, but less likely to achieve their professional goals and their um, the, those things that I was mentioning before. And you got me thinking again, Ian, right? You've got my mind racing now. Could, could, where does delusion fit into this? Because can, can you be deluded uh, on the real far end of over control? And, and if you don't take feedback, you think you're always right. And yeah, well, I wouldn't use the term deluded because I guess okay. that has clinical connotations associated with other disorders. Okay. Um, but I would talk about arrogance as a characteristic that can show up in people who are highly over-controlled. So the problem with over-control, if we are very rigid and very um, overconfident in our beliefs, if you like, mm. is that it can, it can push people away. It can leave other people... Uh, perceiving you to be someone they don't want to talk to because, well, do you know what? They never listen to me anyway. Why mm -hmm. would I go and talk to that person? Um, not only that, but their social signals, which is essentially anything that we give off uh, mm -hmm. to another person, might be quite off-putting. Um, they might not be warm or friendly. They may not come across as approachable. So if we go back to that first deficit of over-control, which is in relation to openness and receptivity to new information. Mm -hmm. um, certainly, an over-controlled person might come across as dismissive and arrogant because they think they know best. So what right. we try and promote instead is the idea of humility, which is the willingness to consider other people's points of view, but without necessarily letting go of one's own points of view. Okay, so, yeah, because I can, you know, as an individual, the impact in relationships. I want to come on and talk about organizations in a moment because you've yeah. triggered some things in my mind from when I used to run a run a, a food business, and I'm just thinking about some of the people I worked with and maybe how they perceive me as well. Sure. But is there, in terms of the under control and over control, before I ask that question, can it differ between somebody in a work environment and somebody mm. in a home environment? Yeah, people often ask me this question, Steve, and I think um, fundamentally the answer is no, because it's based upon the idea that we're, we all have what we call a bio-temperament, which is that fundamentally my characteristic is either over-controlled or under-controlled, and that's because it's based upon our brain, the brain mm -hmm. that we're born with, and our historical experiences, the environment that we have grown up in, the messages we've been given, and the experiences that we've been exposed to. So through all of that, it leads to this personality characteristic developing. So that is fundamental. But what we do know is that the way that that manifests varies according to the environment that we might be in on a day-to-day -day or even an hour-to-hour -hour basis. So for example, I'll share with you, Steve, that I know that I have an over-controlled personality. Mm. 
but I am much more relaxed at home than I am when I'm at work, which I guess goes for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, so when I'm at home, um, I might appear to be more fun. I might be more flexible. Um, I might be more willing to consider other people's ideas and feedback, although my wife might not agree with that. <laughs> um, but when I'm at work, because I have a sense of uh, duty and obligation and uh, a more serious perspective on things, I might um, come across as more over-controlled. And what this relates to is the sense that over-controlled people can be more um, focused upon what we call threat cues. So more risk averse, more, more likely to be very cautious in the way that they go about their business. Um, so hopefully a person's home environment is less likely to throw up threat cues Mm -hmm. and to activate the part of the brain that's associated with threat, um, whereas a work environment might be less predictable. And so maintaining that sense of control and how one comes across might be the case in a work setting. Well, let's explore that in the work setting then, because yeah. that's that's fascinating as well. I'm, I'm just thinking about um, over-control type of leader and things like that. Can they be quite autocratic? Absolutely. And I've, I've been doing a bit of work with organizations on that topic, actually, recently, um, because historically, this concept of over control and under control, it's been thought about in relation to individuals. But the way that we started to look at it is in terms of the culture or the environment, or the messages that might be given to individuals. Now, if we put that into a work environment, um, <coughs> It is possible that certain work environments might exacerbate over-control characteristics and almost demand certain responses from its employees. So let's imagine an organization that is very focused upon uh, tangible goals, tangible outputs, for example, money, uh, the, the, the selling of products, for example, uh, deadlines and targets, those things would fit with an over-controlled personality, but could come at a cost. So the concern really is that it might mean that certain individuals within the organization don't have their personal needs met. Um, it might mean that they struggle to relax. Uh, it might mean that they um, <coughs> don't have the opportunity to work flexibly. Um, and this, of course, can lead to problems within the relationships within the organization. Um, so the, the organization might lead to a sort of hierarchical split so that managers are demanding of employees and saying, this is what you will do and how you will do it. Employees, therefore, might not feel valued or understood or cared for. Now, this, of course, has a knock-on effect. And what we are concerned about is that this might feed into um, not only high sickness rates, uh, but burnout rates. Um, it might increase uh, the turnover of staff as well. And actually, there's also evidence to suggest that this does not um, increase productivity. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's been quite a bit of research in that area in recent years actually suggests that by providing uh, a supportive environment and even sometimes by reducing one's working hours 
it can lead to increased productivity within a team. Interesting, because it's it's a few weeks ago now. Um, mm. I saw a post on LinkedIn, um, and it was very much talking about target-driven return on investment in business and all that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, I used to run a ten million pound food business. Um, yeah. My little comment underneath it was: Have you ever considered asking how happy your team are? Yeah. Yeah. Because if your team is happy, if it's always being inverted commas beaten up, task driven, yeah. orientated, and they could be leaving workplace again, not feeling part of it, anxious, mm. fearful, maybe. So, what about just asking how happy your team are? Because <clears> that could help actually boost everything, morale and everything. So, if Absolutely. that, yeah. yeah. So, well, you know, sorry, I could just give an example on that if you like. So, there was yeah. a a piece of research uh, recently, um, this year it was published, uh, that, that researched 13, sorry, 1,800 call centre workers who work for BT. And they found that mere happiness led to employees working faster, making more calls per hour, and also achieving 13% higher sales than their unhappy colleagues. So just directly on that point about happiness there, um, very specific uh question was asked to those call center workers um that illustrated so many benefits from just that sense of happiness absolutely fascinating i was going to come back to this company i've got a picture in my head of a yeah. boardroom yeah. right of a boardroom uh, how important is it within that environment to have a blend of under controllers and over controllers because if they're all if they're all like-minded, that could be yeah. a, a bit of an issue, could it? Um, yeah, I think that there are benefits to both. I think mm -hmm. you're right. As I was saying earlier, that there are there are pros and cons for both over control and under control. And I would I would certainly uh, encourage and advocate the idea that you get a good blend there as well. Um, I suppose that my my overarching point is the culture of the organisation mm -hmm. is something that is is more important than that blend of, of characters, if you like. Um, and I, I would argue that that is on the basis that employing people in an organization that has that reputation that you were describing before, Steve, is going to be really difficult. So uh, it's certainly not going to appeal to your under-controlled uh, person, somebody who, who thrives on flexibility and uh, knows how to relax and has their own way of doing things. An over-controlled person might be relatively comfortable, but actually still facing those consequences we talked about before. Right, and you've got me thinking again, you've got my brain gracing here, Ian, right? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking again. Has this situation changed since COVID, for example, mm. where through through lockdown and now you know i hear i mean i don't work um, in a in a business environment like that anymore but mm -hmm. i do a number i know a number of recruitment people who when they're talking to people they're asking about flexibility why do yeah. i need to come in the office have we seen a change around behavior around that yeah i think there has been some change i think that covid obviously had a big impact on how a number of people work and I think that, and this is anecdotal, Steve, so my perception is that COVID led to a big swing towards increased flexibility. So, for example, working from home, using digital 
means of communicating, etc. Um, and flexibility became very um, prominent within within uh, businesses and organisations. But I think it's swinging back the other other way somewhat. And I think that it is about trying to find that balance between being too rigid, but mm -hmm. also being too flexible, arguably. Um, and I don't know if there is a, a, a perfect balance. In fact, it probably is about the individual, making sure that the individual's needs are met and their personality is being considered at the same time. But certainly COVID was, was a major um, challenge for, for a lot of over-control people because it demanded that we were able to adapt to the environment and to what was going on at that time. So obviously we all had to do things that took us out of our comfort zone. So it might have been wearing face masks and social distancing or staying at home, changed our routine, the way that we worked, our social life. It was obviously across the board. Um, so for some people that was okay. So perhaps some people who are a bit more flexible but for those who are more towards the top end of that over-controlled scale, it's more likely that they would have struggled with that. Cool. So, Ian, how, how do you help and work with individuals and organisations then? So, Because yeah. I'm just thinking, you know, I'm, I'll use a easy example, right? And I'm sat here and I'm going, wowzer, you know, I might be over-controlled. I might be, yeah. you know, do, do I say, Ian, help me, right? You know, yeah. do not... I guess not that you want to change my personality. You just want yeah. to identify yeah. the traits, I would say. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I think that those traits are, are down to the individual. Everybody's different. And just because we might lean towards over-control, it doesn't mean that there are problems as such. I do believe that we can all probably improve and grow and learn about ourselves, and that's pretty healthy. Um, but for those people who who struggle, who suffer in relation to their over-control, who, whose level of tension and that sort of internal uh, distress is so high, then there are treatments available for them. So the program that I work in the most is called Radically Open Dialectical Behaviour Therapy, or RODBT for short. Mm -hmm. And that is a treatment that was developed specifically to address those over-control characteristics. Uh, it was published in 2018 uh, by Professor Tom Lynch, and it's based on 20 years worth of research. So it's got a huge evidence base behind it. Um, and it's the only program that specifically targets over control. So that is uh, what's out there and available. Now that's used on an individual basis. So a person comes along and says, Ian, I'm struggling. Uh, these are my, my areas of difficulty. Um, what can we do? So we can use that program to help that individual. But what we, what I've started to do with organizations is to look at their culture and to think about whether or not they convey those over-controlled messages that we've just been talking about. Mm -hmm. So we look at the deficits of over-control uh, and think about, do these show up? Do we promote these ideas within your organization? And if so, we can think about how we can change that culture in order to, to loosen up a little bit. Uh, it might involve being a bit more mindful and aware of um, individuals' needs, more flexibility, thinking about the benefits uh, for 
not just the individual, but the organization too, mm. because it's going to have that benefit of reducing burnout rates, reducing sickness rates, uh, increasing retention, um, and also um, productivity as well, which is counter to what a lot of employers imagine. Um, they mm -hmm. don't recognize that actually happiness, flexibility, increases productivity as well. Yeah. And if you don't mind me saying so, Steve, in some cases, um, there have even been individuals who have been at risk of suicide mm -hmm. as a result of their internal distress, um, which is obviously primarily that is a, a very sad situation for that individual, but from an organizational level as well, the ripple effect of that is huge. So the yeah. benefits can be significant. Vast. And, and you know, I just want to go back because you, you, you used the word in that bit around treatments. Yeah. Okay. Because people might go, oh, is that going to be medication? Is that going to be what, what, what is, how does, yeah. how would you clarify the word treatment in your context? Yeah. Yeah, thanks for picking me up on that. I, I have to make an assumption that everybody knows what I'm thinking, Steve, but that's actually quite arrogant. Um, so so the, the treatment that I'm referring to there is psychological therapy. Um, okay. So RODBT that I was referring to before, it doesn't involve any medication. Um, it's a program that involves two core components. So one of those components is about teaching the individual skills um, that aims to um, prepare them for the various challenges and situations that they find themselves in. Um, a lot of those might be interpersonal, um, so situations involving other people that they may not naturally be comfortable with. So an over-controlled person is often very good at specific tasks um, that involve detail and planning and so forth, but not so good with individuals, especially where there isn't a structure involved. Mm -hmm. Give an over-controlled person a meeting, they'll be fine. But if you ask them to go to a party and just chat, they'll struggle because there isn't a structure there. So introducing various skills and techniques is one side of RODBT. The other side of RODBT is where we look at that individual's um, targets. We set some targets that are primarily around their social signals that I mentioned before. So the things that they do that other people pick up on that puts those other people off and stops mm -hmm. other people from connecting with them. Um, so they are the, the two components uh, for our wow. Quite So Ian, is there anything else you'd like to cover before we finish today and uh, ask how people can find out more about the great work that you do? Um, I guess that the, the, the main point really is to think about how a person uh, manages their emotions and how those emotions come out. And I think that sometimes when a person feels emotional, it can be interpreted as under control just because there are emotions involved or coming out. But actually, sometimes emotions come out after a lengthy period of control where the person has essentially bottled things up as much as they can for a long time, and then it spills out or even explodes. So that doesn't mean that a person is under-controlled. It can mean that a person is over-controlled. So that's one thing I'd like to kind of highlight. And perhaps the other is just for anybody who's listening that is involved in a work environment, uh, 
is to just think about what you signal, what your social signals or your organization's culture promotes. Does it promote over control you know, in terms of working hard, getting jobs done, being rigid, or does it promote the well-being of your staff team? So I would argue that the latter is going to be beneficial for everybody, um, including the organization and the organization's goals. Wonderful. Well, Ian, how can people get in touch with you if they would uh, like to explore further? Yeah, sure. So um, I am the director of Flexible Mind Psychology, and I'm also co-founder of RODBT Clinics UK. Um, so there are websites for both of those uh, organizations. Um, if you want to contact me directly, then my email address is ian.wooten at flexiblemindpsychology.co.uk. Wonderful. Ian, a big thank you for sharing that. I think that's really valuable information. Uh, I'm just going to bounce off the walls now and try and work out which one I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, Only joking. We can, we can arrange an assessment if you want, Steve. It's a good place to start. <laughs> thank you so much for joining me today and whatever you're doing for the rest of your day. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Cheers. Nice thank to you. speak with you, Steve. Thank, thank you. you. This, this is, is Yawa Radio. Radio. A big thank you for taking the time out to listen to this podcast from the team at Yawa Radio. Remember to check us out live online 24 hours a day, seven days a week at yawaradio.co.uk. And if you'd like to join us as a guest on Yawa Radio or as a guest on the Yawa Radio podcast, we would love to hear from you. Simply email studio at yawaradio.co.uk. UK. Once again, a big thank you for taking the time out to listen. This is the Yawa Radio Podcast. Copyright applies. <laughs>